This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, Start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The Volume. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. Two great guests this week. Coach K, former Duke legend, joined me. Right before UConn rolled to the title. No surprises there. He told me why he wasn't surprised by UConn's success and told a great story about one of the great shots in Duke history. Plus, my buddy Nick Wright hit a bunch of topics. We always do. But first, my top takes of the week. I want to start with some thoughts on Caitlin Clark, the Iowa basketball star, and Angel Reese, the great player for the national champion LSU club. Um, sometimes social media is truth serum. People show you their lack of discipline by what they post. People show you their politics, their leanings. They show you their temper. I'm always amazed at people who think they're invisible on Twitter. For the record, folks, we have 30 employees now and growing at the volume. I've literally not hired people because of how they act on social media. Watching the media on this Caitlin Clark Angel Reese situation was really striking. One of the reasons I think women's basketball is so much better today than 20 years ago is because it's feisty. And there's a little trash talk and it's a little chippy and there's a little more physicality pushing and shoving from time to time. That's the ultimate sign of growth because we've had that men's basketball forever. Women's basketball, more than any sport in this country, has improved over 25 years. More young women are being encouraged to be athletes. It's always been cool, but a lot of people didn't get it and didn't encourage women. When you watch LSU and you watch Iowa, the people that rushed to Caitlin Clark's defense because of some taunting by Angel Reese, timeout. That's called one road trip for Patrick Beverly. We don't rush to NBA men's defense. It's part of AAU. It's part of college basketball. It's part of now all basketball. Nobody took a swing. Nobody tried to physically intimidate Caitlin Clark. And let's stop there. Do you understand to get to the highest levels of any form of basketball, women's basketball? Do you understand how tough you have to be? How resilient you have to be? Do you know how competitive Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese are? Since they picked up a basketball, people try to intimidate them, box them out, get chippy. That's called basketball. I watched Larry Bird trash talk and Gary Payton trash talk. If you really respect women, then allow them the same freedoms that we allow men. Verbal sparring is part of the sport. I watched Dr. J and Larry Bird throw punches at each other. It didn't end their careers. They were able to overcome it 10 minutes later. Caitlin Clark, when asked about Angel Reese, I'll read you the quote. We're competitive. We show our emotions in different way. She's tremendous. I have nothing but respect for her. I love her game. The way she rebounds, scores the ball, incredible. I'm a big fan of her. Stop pandering. She's okay. She's tough. She can handle it. 
show the same respect you would a guy playing basketball. He can handle some trash talk. You know, years ago, I worked with somebody named Christine Leahy. She did the Herdline News update. And um, she was in her, like her mid-20s. And, and LeVar Ball came on the show and started, took some verbal shots at her. Didn't try to physically intimidate her, but took some verbal shots at her. And I didn't rush to her defense because she immediately landed two or three of her own verbal shots. And I didn't want to make her look weak. I thought the ultimate sign of respect to either Jason McIntyre, Christine Leahy, Joy Taylor is their equals. They can handle some sparring and trash talk. I mean, I have strong opinions about athletes. Can I not handle a strong athlete having an opinion about me? The point is, if you really respect women, then you have to respect them enough to understand they can handle it. Right? They can handle it. Caitlin Clark's fantastic. Angel Reese is fantastic. I don't want to hear about, well, when's the last time that you saw uh, a winning team taunt a losing player? Oh, I don't know. All throughout the college football season? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me in these rivalries? I remember Baker Mayfield grabbing his junk on the sideline. I got guys at the coin toss talking trash in college football. One of the most amazing parts of the women's final four. A little bit of chippiness. A little intimidation. People trying to get into each other's heads. Women's basketball's officially arrived. They can defend themselves. Caitlin Clark's going to come back. She's going to be an All-American. Iowa will probably be one of the favorites to win the national championship. But to get to the top of even college sports, college baseball, college women's, men's basketball, college football, college wrestling, it doesn't matter what it is. Do you know how tough and resilient you have to be as an athlete, a man or a woman? Show the women respect. I probably like the the business side of sports more than you do, but I like it. And one of the cool things about owning this company, The Volume, I can talk about what I want to talk about. And a lot of this stuff I don't talk about on FS1 or Premier Radio. So the WWE has been purchased by a company that had previously purchased the UFC. Now the WWE and the UFC together will form a separate company. And here's why it's interesting to me. I know Nick Khan and Dana White, who run the WWE and the UFC, respectively. And boxing, because it's been so poorly managed forever, has really wilted and mostly vanished. There are occasional fights I like, but it's just not consistently delivering entertainment. And I said this years ago, and I covered boxing in Vegas, that the UFC took advantage of the scarcity of boxing matches, the cost whenever there was a good one. So UFC, whether you like it or not, just delivers a more consistent product. WWE, same, delivers a more consistent product. And uh, so to combine those two for a new business to me is utterly fascinating. And I went to the WrestleMania with my son on Saturday night at SoFi. I knew I could watch on YouTube TV highlights of the college basketball games, which I did Sunday morning. So the best way to describe 80,000 people at WrestleMania is if you take yourself or you take life too seriously, you're probably missing the point on WrestleMania. Uh, I don't think my son, who's not a big sports fan, you know, he likes to ski. He likes to water ski. Anything in the pool he's good with. He's not a, you know, he's played a little basketball, a little soccer, a little football, but not really a team sports kid. The environment, I've, I haven't seen him laugh like that. I haven't seen him smile like that for three straight hours. I couldn't tell you when. It's just a spectacle. And, you know, I, I watched it as a kid and then he used to lampoon, make fun of wrestling fans. But then when you have kids, things change. And as a dad, I'm always looking for connecting points with my son, who's very much into science and tech, two things I'm not necessarily into. So I'm always looking for like connecting points. And so I told him, I said, we're going to go to this. And I have a feeling 
Uh, you're not going to know all the storylines, but you're just going to boo and cheer, thumbs up, thumbs down. And we got pretty good seats. And I got to tell you, it was as good a night as I've had in a long time. And I've said this before. My wife isn't into sports. She loves going to UFC because she likes the spectacle, the crowd, the glamour, the cocktails. Uh, my favorite sports to go to for years and years was boxing. But there's just not that many fascinating boxers or boxing matches. So I just found that story of WWE and UFC being combined. I can't wait. My wife and my son's favorite thing to go to. And now they've morphed. Can't wait. So, Mike, I thought it was um, it's an interesting year. Um, I'm, I follow recruiting. So Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State, UConn are having very vibrant recruiting years. Um, so I imagine next year. The big brands will be back at the top of college basketball. That's my guess. <laughs> or or has the transfer portal created a new phenomenon where the San Diego States, uh, the Florida Atlantics are going forward, going to have older players, elite transfers. How do you view this wacky kind of uh, unique March Madness this year? Well, I think it's a sign of the times, uh, Colin. And, uh, I think there's going to be a mixture and there are going to be more uh, more really good teams. I'm not sure uh, how many great teams, uh, because to be great, I think you have to be together for a little bit, uh, more than one year. And so uh, over the years, we've had good recruiting classes and uh, we've been able to try to mesh them in one year. And then a lot of them yeah. go. Well, now, when they were talking about one and done, there are about 1,800 one and dones in the transfer portal. And uh, so, no, each year in the last few years, there'll probably be more this year. And so, how, how can people build chemistry in one year? And so, the people who go to the transfer portal a lot, uh, they're going to have to spend time trying to figure out how they how they develop culture. I just think like when the year started, I said, it's going to be wide open. And, and I, <laughs> I didn't think it would be this wide open, <laughs> but it's, it, it's wide open. And I don't, I don't think anything's going to change next year. You know, um, replacing a legend is hard. I think you did it the right way. You gave it a lot of thought, right? right? And John Shire to me really works, but have you ever thought, okay, because if I'm John Shire, I'm like, okay, I want to be respectful to Coach K and the culture. But what if there's something I really like <laughs> that really is different than, than Mike? Like, have you ever thought about replacing you as not the easiest thing in the world? Well, yeah, I, I, I've talked to my wife about it. And at times she said uh, that w it wouldn't be that hard. But uh, most of the time she said it would be hard. Uh, you know, it's not just picking the right person, but giving the amount of time that's needed. John was with me for nine years. And uh, yeah. when he was announced as the head coach, we had a runway of about 17 months before he ever coached. So he could recruit two classes on his own. In other words, with them knowing that I'm not going to be the coach and to develop the relationships that were needed. And I think you saw it this year. He had great relationships with his team and we had an out, outstanding year. Uh, I've always told him, just be you, man. Uh, being you, a lot of what you are will be us because we've spent so much time together. But you can't fill someone's shoes. Just be comfortable in the shoes you're wearing. And, uh, you know, our culture and you develop it the way that you think is right. I, I, I have all the confidence in the world in John. I am a big fan of new things, but also regulation, be it Wall Street or tech. I am for the transfer portal and NIL, but there needs to be guardrails right. for everything. It doesn't matter if it's our freeways, our government, Silicon Valley or college sports. It was a little to me wild, wild west for the first 15 months. It was just <laughs> the gold rush, right? Um is there anything you see so far, if you could make a change and go like on the NIL, let's start with the transfer portal, because the NIL, uh, some schools are just not going to partake in it, but transfer portals here for everybody. Is there anything you would say, hey, 
let's be very careful of this or maybe alter this? Yeah, I think, first of all, Colin, you know, uh, both concepts are really good. There were intended consequences that are easy to see. You know, uh, an athlete should be allowed to, you know, to benefit from their name, image and likeness. Uh, an athlete should have the, the opportunity to move. And so, OK, that sounds really good. Yeah, but if if it's a business, you say, okay, these are the intended consequences. What would be the unintended? In other words, put the guardrails up before you let the horses out. <laughs> and uh, and once once they're out, like I don't see how you can control nil completely. And uh, it's a free market. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like if you have a better nil than me, what are you going to give it up? Is someone going to put a limit? Where do we put a limit on anybody in our society and how much they make? Right. And uh, so uh, the transfer portal, I think it's been confused a little bit with the extra year of COVID. You see, I mean, that combination, NIL, add that to it, add that to it. And so you have guys who, you know, they're at three different schools. You know, they're in a five year year period. I think the average age was a year and a half older this year than it's normally been for uh, college and uh, for college teams. And the thing that happens, too, when these kids stay, there are less scholarships for the high school kids. And so that right. was not an intended consequence. I think, you know, I think, first of all, if we think Congress is going to solve all this we got to be no. Looney Tunes here. And yeah. uh, but they the main thing Congress can do is to make it equitable in every state, which it isn't. Transfer portal is equitable. NIL is not. There's some states that don't allow it. And so right. it's got to be equal for everybody. And, uh, uh, you know, my, my big thing, I wish we could take men's and women's basketball and make it its own entity, just like football is, yeah. and be autonomous, have a certain foundation of rules with the NCAA, but let our, our two sports, our sport, be, be run like a business, have a marketing right. plan, have, you know, and, you know, be autonomous. Football right. is autonomous. The game of basketball is not. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Draft coverage. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports, like all-time NCAA scoring leader Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, and many of the upcoming NFL and NBA first-round picks. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out the most popular trading card brands like Prism, Select, Don Russ, and more. For those NFL draft fans, get real-time trading cards after players are picked with Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Coward Draft coverage. Um, speaking of the game of basketball, uh, I just read where the NBA is proposing going forward um, yeah. a positionless um, <laughs> all NBA team, which and I remember years ago, I worked in Portland. This is a long time ago. Bob Whitsett was the GM 
And I remember Bob smart guy saying, Colin, you, you guys in the media get too caught up on positions. I just want good, good, long, fast, twitchy basketball players. I don't <laughs> care. So Bob was about 20 years ahead of me. Right. Um, unintended consequence. I do like an old school point guard who distributes first score second. That's me. I'm probably outdated. What do you make of positionless basketball or, or does LeBron make everybody think it's easy or the truth is positions are pretty good. It's just LeBron's blown it up because he can do anything. Well, you know, you're love for the point guard. I'm a point guard. So in some essence, you have a love for me, but maybe it's not that big. But uh, uh, the old-fashioned point guard just doesn't exist, or, or it's like an extinct animal uh, right, right now. You know, really, uh, in the late '80s and early '90s, we started at Duke, uh, what I call positionless. I always used to tell my staff and family, "Look, this isn't a baseball team. There's not a third baseman. They go to a position. Why the heck?" Do we have guards, forwards, and centers? You know, just introduce them as, as players. And in other words, like you and I are two of the top four players on a team, and we are both the two guard. Am I only going to play one of us, or am I going to play my four best players? I'm going to play both of us. So why put a limit on us saying that, uh, you know, we're two guards. We're really good basketball players and both of us can shoot. I always like saying that because uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, ref referred to as a good shooter. So <laughs> that's uh, that analogy. Uh, actually, I feel pretty good about it. Well, um, you were a defender and you were tough. Sure. You had the many of the Chris Paul qualities I like, which is that's where I'm 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 very much about. I like the new basketball. I think it's very, very skilled. I covered Arvidas Sabonis, who was yeah. pre Jokic, almost like a point. Center. No, he would have been the greatest player. One of the great. If he was here young, you know, young, like in his tw early 20s, he would be one of the top five or 10 players in the history of the game. Uh, yeah, no question about it. You got him later in his probably mid thirties or something. Yes. Like that. Yeah. But, but he was a great player, not a good. Oh, player. oh, I mean, Mike, he would hit a 24 footer and he would make a behind the back pass. Uh, I got the heavy footed Arvidas Sabonis. Yes. Uh, a, a remarkable player and a, and a fun guy to cover. So do you remember, because really what you, 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 Nick Saban, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Bayheim, Mark Few, your talent accumulators. So what you're doing is you're and and you're finding kids who aren't fully developed emotionally, physically. Right. It's very difficult. A pro football coach, I get four years of film through college. I know what he can and can't do. You're taking kids. I'm a late, I'm a, a I blossomed late, I think, in my career. I think a lot of people do. Um, how often do you see a player? And did you know instantly, oh, OK, that person will be a pro. Now, at Duke, I think a lot of people would suggest, oh, it's Duke guys. <laughs> but you've recruited some three-star guys in your career. I right. follow it. How often did you see a LeBron-ish player and go, okay, that's done? Or do players develop more slowly than most of us think? Yeah, well, there are, there are a few. I mean, you can see uh, Zion, if Grand Hill was in this time. Yes. You, you know, uh, those, those players, uh, mm -hmm. Jason Tatum. You know, Bagley, uh, Wendell Carter could have probably stayed another year, but uh, no, you can see it. Uh, but you also uh, you also can see like where their bodies. In other words, do they fit the dimensions of an NBA player? Wingspan. It's not just height. It's wingspan, speed. Okay, and then are they? Where are they emotionally? You know, we try to recruit kids with good character. Because they're going to, in order to not just to get there, but to stay, they're going to have to have balance. And so we're able to see that pretty much uh, with the guards. Like I, when I saw Tyus Jones the first time, I said, wow, this kid's like a machine. Now, he is an old point guard. He, right, right. And he, when he has his name on that ball, you can't, 
when he throws it, you better catch it because he doesn't want to turn it over. When I right. saw him the first time, I said, I got to have him. I didn't know that he would be a pro right away. I felt that he would be a pro after a while. Mike Dunleavy, uh, when we recruited him, he's out, out of Portland. And, yeah. and uh, he was six, six and a half, 175, had no hair on his chest, did not shave. Three years later, he was six, nine and a half and 230. Yeah. And so there's some guys, Brandon Ingram, when we recruited him, I told his parents, uh, they, they were going to the McDonald's game. I said, we're not allowed. The first day, you know, the pro people will be there. Your son will be a top five draft pick after the workout. And they said, what do you mean? I said, he's got all the dimensions. He's got, you know, not only that, but he can play any position. He can be a guard. And so you can see those uh, those type of things and, and predict them. And some kids, you you can't. Battier did not fit. He wasn't a great athlete. But after a while, he became uh, he was intellectually ahead of others. Yeah. And in today's game, the younger players are not they're more athletic, but they're not as savvy about the game as the players even five years ago. Uh, that yeah. that's something with all the workout guys and that they're great, but they teach you stuff with the ball. And if we're playing a 40 minute game in college, if you have the ball three minutes, that's a lot. So you better learn the game without the ball. You got to learn to get your shot before you get the ball. That's not taught to the level uh, that it used to be. So I think we're getting better athletes, but more undertaught uh, players as far as the game goes. I always love when the Patriots play the Chiefs because I, I get a chess match between Belichick's brain <laughs> and Andy Reid's. I love that. That's I love enough. when they play. Was there a coach, and maybe it's a well-known coach, it's a Jim Calhoun, um, it's a Dean Smith, but is there a coach maybe that I wouldn't think of off the top of my head that you love the intellectual chess match that he was just move for move you always knew it was not only between duke and the team it was between you and that coach yeah i think the the, the frequency of the time uh he competed against dean smith you know uh because he you know he was a remarkable coach and he had immense loyalty from his from his uh players you know, he really, uh, really one of the great coaches of any sport. Uh, my buddy, Jim Valvano, uh, the spontaneity of doing anything at any time. <laughs> the, um, there was some predictability with some coaches uh, up to a point. And then there was the unpredictability of like, like Jim. And, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes you play against a, you coach against a team that uh, you say, I don't know if I can coach a team better than John Becker at Vermont, you know, and who year after year just produces that, uh, that high level of team. I, I thought one of my good friends, Fran Dunphy, who got back into college uh, coaching when he was the coach at Penn, he, he was on a, a, a decade movement of, just he got it at, at, a, at a high at a high level. But uh, uh, now, yeah, I think you learn from coaching against all different types of people. But those are a few of the ones that uh, made an impact on me. I remember covering I was a young sportscaster. I was um, in Denver. Um, Bobby Hurley had a bout with a stomach sickness. I'll leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I remember you saying it could have been to me or a group because I, I was in Vegas as a sportscaster. Right. You and this meant so much to Tark. I can't tell you how much this meant to Tark. You said we play hard at Duke. I've never seen any team right. play that hard between Gergerich and Tark. And I covered Tark. You, you have no idea. You and Mickey were very complimentary of him. It meant so much to him. And I always I look back at your career and I think that's one of your great moments because that team was stocked. Yeah. Uh, they th so you lost in Denver the following year. One of your stars was a true freshman. 
You'd been beaten badly by him the year before. There was a psychology there. Go back to the time you beat UNLV. If I said to you three or four moments of your career, I, I remember walking out of that game and thinking, I don't think the media gets what just happened. I thought it was just an incredible moment. You know, uh, I've done <laughs> I've done a lot of speaking. And uh, since I retired, I did a, a couple commercials. I've done some things. And one of the statements and one of the commercials was close the gap. And we were able to close the gap from uh, 90 to 91. Grand Hill helped us close that gap. So, yep. But also the experience, we were pretty good. Uh, but then we got to be really good. And the 91 semifinal, final four game with Vegas is one of the epic games in the history of our sport. Uh, yep. uh, one, I had Jerry Tarkani and I were good friends and I had ultimate respect because anybody who can get his team to play that hard with that, especially that level of talent, you got to be crazy good. And but we were really, really good. then. And I thought what helped us in that game was that it was the semifinal, not the final. They, they had won 45 in a row. They had beaten us psychologically. We have an advantage. You know, we, we do have an advantage. And they had destroyed everybody. And <laughs> no, not beaten. They just crushed, crushed everybody. So we got uh, we were talking about if we can get them in the last few minutes, we've been there before. They haven't been there before. And you know, everyone talks about Leitner shot against Kentucky and which they should. But one of the defining moments for me was Hurley shot with just over two minutes to go. I think they had gone up by five and Tark went to his amoeba defense. And before I could say anything, call out anything, Hurley comes down and he jacks up a three and he hits it. So for me, I think in possessions, two point, there were three two point possessions up. His shot knocked it down to one two point possession. It was really one of the, the biggest shots in my, you know, for, for my career that a player took and I didn't call it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't call it. And then we were fortunate. We got a, uh, their guard fouled out. Uh, you know, and uh, Greg Anthony and uh, Leitner hit some free throws and God bless America. You know, we won. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sad people in Sin City. Believe me, I was a sportscaster there. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward draft coverage. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports, like all-time NCAA scoring leader Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, and many of the upcoming NFL and NBA first-round picks. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out the most popular trading card brands like Prism, Select, Don Russ, and more. For those NFL draft fans, get real-time trading cards after players are picked with Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Coward Draft coverage. 
So let's welcome in Nick Wright. Uh, you know him, you love him. First things first, what's right with Nick Wright? So I was saying in my six, seven minute preamble to you is the ultimate respect to women is they can handle themselves. Um, and that Caitlin Clark is not a lamb <laughs> to be able to get to the highest level of any division one sport, baseball, football, hockey, wrestling, women's basketball. You've been mocked. You've been taunted. You've been boxed out. You've probably taken a punch. These women are feisty and they talk trash and the ultimate respect isn't rushing to their defense. It's realizing they can handle She's themselves. She's nobody's underdog, Colin. She, listen, Angel Reese is awesome. Angel Reese is you. I, some of the people commenting like, oh, who, who is Angel Reese to trash talk? She was the fourth leading scorer in that game. She also set the all-time record for double-doubles in a season, was a first-team All-American, was the MVP of the goddamn tournament. So, Andrew Reese, when they win the championships, allowed to talk trash if she wants. Now, Caitlin Clark was the best player in the country. And I know for some people, because of Angel Reese's race and size, they looked at her talking trash different than Caitlin Clark, Clark talking trash. It's nonsense. And Caitlin Clark didn't ask for anybody's protection. Caitlin Clark dished it out, knew she could take it, the whole thing. And what I find, so there is the reaction to the trash talk, which I know you talked about, we've talked about everywhere. To me, there was, there were obviously an obvious massive racial component to who is and who is not allowed to trash talk. But then there is the, what could have been absent of the trash talk, the bigger story, which is the success of this tournament and can women's basketball at the collegiate level become women's tennis, which is on par, if not at times yeah. exceeded the interest in men's tennis? Because yeah. we as a country have shown we will watch women's sports if it uh, if there is it's not an inherent sexism like we won't watch women's sports. What we need is to feel like we're watching the best product possible. And I feel like in tennis, the men's serves became so powerful that there wasn't yep. serve and volley. Plus, then all of a sudden, Serena comes around and you have a massive American starts like a perfect storm. It's like it's a better product. It's more yeah. entertaining, all of it. Women's college basketball is a better product than men's college basketball. Flatly. Yeah. Because the things you need which is consistency of roster, continuity, stars are there in the women's college game in a way they're not in the men's game. Yeah. And I think women's college basketball can have a huge moment here because that LSU team scored 102 points in a regulation <laughs> college basketball game. San Diego State wasn't going to score 102 last night. If they got a third right. half by themselves, and no disrespect <laughs> to San Diego State, but I guess that's a little disrespect to them. It, it there is just it's a hell of a product. The shot making, yep. awesome. And yes, we understand yep. you're not going to get the same level of athleticism you get from the men's game. But you can go to the NBA for that. And I like the attitudes. Yeah. I like the personalities. I I like the stories. I really my my daughter, my youngest daughter, who's of my two daughters, the bigger sports fan, has asked me, you know, why don't I watch more women's sports? And I've never had like the greatest answer for her. She's nine. And we I was like, we can go to some WNBA games, but the WNBA versus the NBA, one is just clearly from basketball wise, a superior product. But the co the female college games were awesome. They were and Here's the other part of it. I wonder if with NIL, Colin, if there's not way more money playing in college than going to the WNBA. I wonder if for Caitlin Clark, can she not make more money? Like whatever yeah. her sponsors will be, wouldn't they prefer she be staying in college as long as possible? Because those ratings, they're going right. to get more viewers, more everything than, than at the WNBA level. So I think that sport can really have a moment right now. I really do. Yeah. And I think uh, the men's final four, the women blew out ratings. The men's was one of the least watched because you had underdogs and be between the transfer portal in men's college basketball and the one and done culture. You can't name any starters. The average college fan 
this morning couldn't name two players for San Diego State Correct. and they were in the title game. Correct. So I, I and I do think that doesn't it doesn't completely puncture the NBA, but mobility. Adam Silver's always been more concerned about it than I would. But I think one of the reasons the Warriors continue to get the best TV ratings and the Celtics are right behind them is because it's the same group of core group of guys for like six years. And that really matters. That's why Brooklyn had all these stars and terrible ratings. By the way, the Lakers last three years have had terrible ratings because the roster is constantly in flux. Well, and the NBA does need to do a better job, in my opinion, of marketing its next generation. Steph's 35, LeBron's 38. You know what I mean? Uh, Durant's an old 34 because of the injuries. Like you're going to, you're, you're really living ratings wise off a group of players who should not still be excellent. You know, they're very, the fact that LeBron's going on 20 years of super high level play and relevance, that's borrowed time. And now maybe they're going to try to transfer that to Bronny, but that's a hell of a bet they're making. Well, the other thing, what can we take? Sometimes I will see a business out there with the volume. We have over 30 employees now, but I'll see a smaller business and I'll say, oh, I like what they're doing. So I think you see this with big companies all the time. They look and see what young uh, ascending companies do and what can the NBA take from college sports? Well, the quality isn't close, but the urgency is amazing. And if I was Adam Silver, you cannot have seven game first round series. If you're looking for upsets, which clearly, clearly the urgency and the sudden death nature of college men's basketball, some of these ratings in the early part of this tournament between no name teams get huge numbers. So I think if you want to pass the baton from the veterans to the kids, you got to have some shorter series where sometimes a young team comes in with chutzpah and energy and upsets Memphis and upsets a really good team that now we know over time that young team in the NBA won't win four series. But I do think the NBA playoffs could use more upsets. Or let me give uh, because the counter to that will always be how much more how much benefit are we getting from less revenue, less inventory of our most valuable time of year, which is postseason games, right? Someone give me an actual answer why of all sports, the NBA has not gone to drafting your playoff opponent. You want the regular season to matter? If you are the one seed, if you are Denver, if you have earned it, once the field is set, you pick who you play. That would be a massive reward. And if you're the two seed, you get you get to pick next. As opposed to what we're going to have happen, which is now, all of a sudden, you're going to have, I can't, I, it, it's going to be unbelievable to watch in these final 120 hours of the season. The Lakers have been fighting like hell to avoid the playing. And now, honest to God, I believe they might, on the final day of the season, be the sixth seed and risk falling back into the play-in to avoid moving up to the five where they have to play Phoenix. You know what I mean? (laughs) You're going to have the Lakers, Warriors, Clippers in like this staring contest of like who wants to play, like who wants to guarantee they're not in the play-in. But if you do that and the other two teams take the night off, you now all of a sudden, congrats, you avoid the play-in. Here's Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in round one. Let these teams draft their playoff opponent. It would so, let me get in the East, a team that I know you've liked historically, Boston. Boston has been better than Philly. Boston has not over the course of the year been better uh, than Milwaukee, but they did beat them twice by 40 points. You know what Boston's big reward for their season is going to be? Miami in round one. Congratulations, <laughs> Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Philly, who's been worse than them, Philly's going to get a, a, a shell of a Brooklyn team. And it's like, okay, you know, Mikhail Bridge is a nice player, but that's fine. Uh, that's absurd. It's ridiculous. 
And that would add intrigue and it would add import to the regular season. And every first round series would feel like a grudge match because the team would be like, you picked us. Why'd you pick us? Right. Why didn't you pick it? So I wish they would do that. I, I've encouraged that for all across all sports, but nobody, the, the leagues don't want to do it. Well, I do think they're going to do a midseason tournament in the NBA. Um, I, I think what's happening analytics, to be honest, do not always help sports in baseball. Um, it slowed the sport down, right? It was home runs. It was strikeouts. It was like, does anybody hit a single anymore? Right. So they finally got rid of the, and by the way, more singles, more stolen bases, more plays at the plate, more action. The ratings are up. The right. games are better, more of everything. But I, I do think the NBA, the analytics are telling general managers, rest your stars because this sport is so taxing. So in baseball, you go into a town and you hang out for four days and a third of the team doesn't play. They're in the bullpen. Um, but in basketball and hockey, and especially basketball, because you're not on the ice for 45 seconds, then off a player who's abnormally large anyway, right? Like a seven foot one guy who travel is going to be harder for him, regardless of the plane. So he's going to play 40 minutes, both ends, burn through 7000 calories, get on a plane, land in a city at four in the morning, go to bed quickly, get up, shoot around. Frankly, have you seen old basketball players? They're all bent over. They all look like hell. So the analytics are telling you play stars less. So even though this this minimum number of games for awards sounds like on its face, it's, it will solve it for a veteran player. He's not going to a veteran. By the way, Giannis, he doesn't care about awards anymore. He wants to be healthy for the Celtics in the playoffs. Yeah, it's gonna, I don't know that there's a solve. It is because it's the constant conflict between the GM and this cross sports, the GM slash head coach whose only incentive and obligation is winning and ownership in the league who theoretically should the only incentive should be we're an entertainment product. How do we maximize our entertainment value? Like the, the only thing I could compare it to is the, the schedule. I live in New York city. The Broadway schedule is insane. You get Mondays off, yeah. still do seven shows a week. Hey, they're two and a half hour shows. Right. And a lot of these, there's a show I went to with my, you know, my daughter is a senior in high school. She's a theater major. It's what she wants to go into. Um, show called Funny Girl, the Fanny Bryce story. The main character, the, the star of it now is this girl from Glee who is legitimately phenomenal. And the moment she signed up to do it, tickets through the roof. They, you know, they announced she's not doing Thursdays or whatever, but she's doing every other show they do. My guess is I can't prove this, but she probably would be slightly better if she was only doing three shows a week. But Broadway understands our entire purpose is entertainment. We're not competing. You know, we are here to entertain the audience, therefore make money. So you are out there every single night. Can you imagine if, if Broadway had the same type of thing in the NBA? It's like, well, you know, we've looked at it and she's really only going to be able to peak performance on three days a week, and we're not going to tell the audience any idea what three days those are going to be until they show up. It, you kill right. them. And so I don't know what this, it, it is. I don't know what the solve is. I, the NBA keeps trying to do it, but I don't think Adam Silver has quite we, a, a harsh enough hand to force it because he's in a partnership with the players. But this does go ahead because I have a different question, but go ahead. Well, because I don't think there is a solve and that's okay. NASCAR's audience is old. Every every sport has a hole and a problem. NASCAR's sport is old. How solvable is it? NFL's got a concussion issue. It's grown men tackling each other. It's not going away. Baseball's got a pace issue and a lack of scarcity. There's a billion games. That's not going away. Hockey, relevance. Gretzky helped a little briefly. College basketball, one and done culture. The truth is the NBA problem, like every sport, cricket had a pace problem. 
uh, soccer. There's just so few elite players that if you get one and you face teams that don't have one, you just dominate for a decade. So I don't feel bad for the NBA because it. It. I think you can um, mitigate some of the issues. But every sport has an issue. This is really the primary one for the NBA, stars sitting. You won't completely solve it. But I think like concussions, less hitting in practice, better helmets, it will take out about 30% of it. And for the record, if you give me 30% more stars playing, it won't be on talk shows. It won't because be they did it 10 years you. ago and it was never right, a topic. That, that's right. That, you know, that's 100% correct. All right. One, I don't know where else you want to go, but when you're talking about college basketball, and then resting guys, it brought me to something that I mentioned on TV today that I want your thoughts on. All right. So everyone saw the Victor Wimbanyama highlight, the seven foot five yeah. alien, did a step back three, missed it, went and got his own dunk and got his own putback dunk. I also saw a video of the pregame workout he does for his feet. He does like these foot stretch things to whatever to try to keep his feet healthy. And then I heard, saw this quote from a Western Commerce general manager saying, we're all going to feel like idiots for not tanking for this guy. I am quietly very concerned. And my entirety, the, the entire reason for my concern is literally never have I ever seen someone taller than 7'3 not be ravaged by injuries. Ever. Not once. And this guy is going to be playing on the perimeter on that type of wear and tear. Colin, I don't care how far back we have to go. Ralph Sampson, his feet killed him. Rick Smith, Arvidas Sabonis, Yao Ming. Sam Bowie. And I don't know if he was seven as quite as tall, but yeah, Greg Oden, who wasn't quite as tall. Durant even had the Jones fracture and now seems to be breaking down a little bit. Porzingis. Porzingis. All of them. Forget the super tall guys. Manute Bull and some of those guys that dealt with some tragic stuff. I... Everyone is talking that people are like he would go number one in the draft if LeBron were in it. Guys, <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Guys, the thing is, I, I get it. If you tell me Wimbanyama is going to be healthy for 15 years, yeah, he's one of the three greatest prospects ever, maybe the best prospect ever. I don't know. But I have seen, I am so, when Chet was coming out, I was like, yeah. It's the skinniest player I've ever seen. And what yeah. we got Wilds and Brew killed me for it on the show. I was like, skinniest player I've ever yeah. seen. He played one summer league game against LeBron, and we've never do we've never seen him yet <laughs> since then. <laughs> um Wimby concerns me. Cause when you're so tall, your agent is lying about your height in the other direction, alarm bells go off for me. Because yeah. I don't know, man. I just what makes him so special is what would terrify me. And here yeah. is the reason I was thinking about it. Te- have the Pelicans helped or hurt Zion? I don't know. I know they've been as cautious as possible. He's played 120 games in four years. Maybe you can tell me if they were you know, more old school with him, he's, he'd be out of the league by now. Hard time believing it. I think maybe that the being so cautious with everything with him has not been the best for him. I I can totally see the same thing happening with this kid. He comes into the league, has a little minor thing. They're like, oh, give it six weeks. Like, I don't know. It makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Yeah. Yeah, we just recently came to terms with size matters for quarterbacks. I remember pushing back on Kyler Murray and like, guys. He's significantly smaller than everybody than else. Russell Wilson. Than anybody's ever been. And I remember very early an all pro defensive lineman in the NFL who I know played him year one and said, brother, he's not going to be in this league seven years. He does not like to get hit. He goes, I hit him. He went. Does that worry you he about goes, Bryce? He- Absolutely. But I, I have another theory yeah, on that. Go ahead. Sorry. So, 
people were very uncomfortable. I didn't like Baker Mayfield. I said, as a one, he's too small. He's not that. So we're, we're coming to terms with Drew Brees was the outlier that size matters in quarterbacks. I said the same thing about Chet Holmgren. I said, if I had one pick, I wouldn't take him. But Oklahoma City had so many picks. So he's such a physical uniform unicorn. You owe it to yourself to take take it. the take the flyer. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I just I, I don't like. Most or least biggest or smallest anything, basically. Right. Yeah, you know, I like yep. that. And I, I know I can get burnt on it, but this is and I'm curious what your theory on Bryce is, because Bryce is clearly the best on film prospect. It's not even right. arguable. But then I'm like, wait, they're saying he's thinner than Kyler. I don't know if I think he might be undraftable for me. Like he's so small. So I that he's too small, like the biggest or the smallest just concerns me. I want to see someone else do it first. What's your theory on Bryce? Okay. Okay. So my theory is you can't treat every investment like a 401k. So a 401k you put money into and never take it out until you retire. But you can also day trade stocks. You can buy stuff and sell it. You can flip houses. There's a lot of equities and there's a lot of investments that aren't built for long term. And those are also excellent investments. So not every quarterback you draft is built for 10 years. But if Carolina said to themselves, listen, our doctors say, You're going to get three really good years out of him. And by year four, he'll deteriorate to stabilize the organization. Wouldn't you still take him? Oh, that's interesting that it's just okay. That's interesting. Yep. So what you don't want to be in the NFL is Indianapolis, a wreck. But in that division, in the NFC, Frank Reich's a good coach. You bring him. And by the second year, you draft a quarterback in the sixth round. The third year, you draft one in the fourth round. The fourth year, you draft one in the second. The Patriots, every other year, drafted a quarterback with Brady. There's an argument to be made. You should draft a quarterback every year anyway. But if you believe Bryce is the best quarterback, and if you just got three years, which for any size is small. I mean, I think two is going into year four. Sure. Let's say you, let's say realistically, Kyler gives you two more years and then retires and goes, I'm done. Well, you had Josh Rosen and everybody was getting fired and Kyler got you to the playoffs. And so it's like Chet Holmgren. If you told me well, you're going to get four really good years from him. 40% of the first round of the NBA is a bust. Sure. Go okay. for it. So the, that's interesting that if it's just you're looking at it as and three years, I don't know if I'd spend if it would just three years. I think that would concern me. But if you're like, hey, this guy's going to give you his full rookie contract, his fifth year option and one franchise tag, and you're never going to have to give him the massive deal. And, that's it, right. and you're going to instantly be relevant, have the quarterback on the road on the cheap deal. That's something I've never really considered that idea, but that I just, and by the way, and maybe he defies the odds. Maybe he is Drew Brees and, you know, because he has so accurate and seems like such a good kid. It just seems like so small in a big man's game. The You mentioned the Colts and you asked me on the show today uh, about Lamar. Would you, did you, Peter King said that he believes the that the Ravens would just give you Lamar straight up for the fourth pick. Would you do that if you were Indy? Um, just a, a four pick for the, Lamar Jackson. The number yes, four overall pick this year's draft. You give them that and you got to give Lamar a deal. Peter King says he thinks the Ravens would say yes to that. They wouldn't try to match. They wouldn't. They fourth overall pick Lamar straight up. If I'm yes, in the idea, I, I that would in a heartbeat. Yes, because I think in the NFC, he would dominate in the AFC. He'll make you very viable. And and I also think. That Indy's in a situation now where at best they're going to get the third best quarterback unless somebody leaps them Correct. in a bad quarterback class or Lamar Jackson. Or Lamar Jackson <laughs> and you just and you can take a deep breath and say we're off this damn treadmill. So I think the Lamar conversation has been so I don't know that any conversation has ever frustrated me more because it it seems like to me, obvious 
where he is as a player. He is clearly not a top five quarterback in football. Just clearly not. And I understand he won a unanimous MVP. Get it. I understand that some of the folks would be like, here are just his passing stats, not his rushing stats. I'm like, honestly, I give a shit. I watch the games. I know he's not a great passer. I know he's not. Right. I know there are, you know, Mahomes, Burrow, Trevor, Herbert, Allen. Those five guys are better than him. I understand Justin Herbert doesn't. If if Justin Herbert were, it's like, hey, you can have him for two first round picks. There, somebody would offer him a contract by now. I know this to be true, right? There's those five guys. Right. I also know that right now, if you're actually ranking quarterbacks going down the list, Dak Prescott's like 10th. And Dak, I think Lamar's better than Dak. You might say Dak's better than Lamar, yeah. whatever it is. At worst, Lamar's the 10th best quarterback. So he's not right. one of the absolute no-brainers. He's still better than 20 starters. So, like, let's all take a deep breath. Teams are so desperate for quarterbacks. You give Daniel Jones forty million a year for four years. So, so again, so is he perfect? No. Does is he hurting himself by not having an agent? I think unquestionably yes. Is it frustrating that he hasn't the passing wise? He's actually awesome at some of the really hard stuff. It's the layups that he's not great at, has never gotten great at, and it's frustrating. Sure. But does it still seem baffling to me that a team like Detroit isn't like, hmm, we damn near made the playoffs with Jared Goff. We have extra first-round picks. We're in the soft conference in a division that next year the most established quarterback is going to be Kirk Cousins. Yeah, we'll pay Lamar Jackson and maybe go to the Super Bowl, even though he's not perfect. I I do think there's something else. So we both admit his unorthodox personal representation hurts and that the injuries really hurt. There is a third thing that an executive in the league told me about a year ago is that if you bring him in, um, you better go find a backup that works for him if he gets hurt. And it's a it's a different offense than your typical offense. So you've got to make some real staff changes. And if he's a franchise guy, you got to sign, you got to bring in a whole new group. And it's almost like in our space. There's people that do play by play and there's people that are analysts. And then there's guys like you and I that are opinionists and generalists. Well, we don't work doing games or hosting a show, right? You have to bring in people who create topics for you and I. So Lamar is unique and that he's not your classic drop pack, but he's a better thrower than you think. He does have an injury issue. One of them kind of freaky in the pocket, but he's got such a dynamic style of which you should absolutely lean into that there is a, okay, if we bring him in an indie, okay, Shane Steichen, what do you have to do to your staff to do this? And, and so now I'm not saying there aren't, a lot of things you can't do with Lamar, you can do with other quarterbacks. But he is such... Listen, I talked to Sean Payton about Russell Wilson when he was not the Broncos coach. And I said, what would you do? And he said, I'd get him back to playing basketball on grass. He goes, Russell's at his best playing basketball on grass. Well, that's not Drew Brees. Right. So you're literally bringing in staff and people and personnel that work with basketball on grass. So Lamar's that to a, I would say, an even hyper version of that. So he, he's a very, I guess the, what I'm saying is the downside to unique is that you have to build people to support unique. Uh, correct. And it's not as easy it's as not, conventional. None of it's e- th- that's why, listen, do I think the league as a whole doesn't want to do guaranteed deals? Obviously. Do I think the owners might be, you know, at the owners meetings asking around, you're not going to, you're not doing guaranteed. We're not, we're not going down there. You know, the Browns screwed us. We're not going further. Sure. So do I think there is that level of collusion? If you, sure. But as I said before, if Trevor Lawrence were done with his contract franchise tagged and for the whole league, it was like, Trevor was like, Hey, I want a fully guaranteed deal. And it's going to cost two first round picks. 
Five of these teams would have said, I don't care who gets mad at me. I'm doing it. So part of the reason there hasn't been a hot Lamar market is because of the things that you're talking about. There are some limitations and it is not simple, but there is still a massive instant upside, particularly for an NFC team where right. going into next year, the best quarterback in the conference, I, I, I think Jalen Hurts has earned that, but he's only shown to us for one year. And then after that, it's Kurt and I'm sorry, it's Stafford coming off an injury or Dak or whomever. We have no idea. Right. And so that part of it is, it, it is, and I, my theory on th- that is, I think most of these teams are waiting until after the draft because if you're like, if we sign Lamar, we're going to be better. So our pick in the future years will be worse than the pick this year. So might as well. You spend our, you know, use our pick this year, and then the two first round picks we'd have to give up are going to be in the twenties or whatever it is. I also All think right. when I saw the report that the Patriots were shopping Mac Jones, that I'd keep an eye on Belichick. The volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.